Welcome to EANCAST, your weekly source for education, research, and updates from the European Academy of Neurology. Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast from the European Academy of Neurology about headache. This is episode 4 and today we'll be talking about migraine during pregnancy and lactation. And we're here together with Uwe Reuter, he's a neurologist from Berlin. And uh, my colleague will start the first question. Yes, hello together. Um, I'm happy to be here. My name is Dagny Hollely. I'm a neurologist headache specialist from Essen. Uwe, can you tell us something about um, epidemiology of migraine during pregnancy? Yeah, good morning uh, to all of you, first of all. Of course, migraine is a problem in young females. And we know that about 15 to 20 percent of females are affected by migraine. And fortunately, during pregnancy, migraine frequency decreases. In 80 percent of women, the frequency of migraine is reduced in the last trimenon of the pregnancy. And it's only 8 percent of women who develop migraine during pregnancy. So overall, if you get pregnant, it's good for your migraine. Thank you. And uh, I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Rolf Frontsek. I'm a neurologist from Leiden, University Medical Center in the Netherlands. I also see quite a few of headache patients and also still uh, women that are pregnant and have a lot of migraine. And then they ask me, what can I do? Am I allowed to treat my attacks? And what do you tell them? So first of all, I would tell them, so if you have mild migraine attacks, try not to treat them. So just lie down if you can, uh, go to a quiet place, don't listen to music, and try without medications. If your attacks are strong and if you need to take medication, of course, you cannot take every medication for acute migraine therapy that is on the market. So what can you do? In the first two treatments, so in the first six months, you could use ibuprofen, for example, aspirin or uh, naproxen, but only in the first six months you should not take these drugs in the last three months of pregnancy due to uh, known birth defects. Number one. Number two, what else can you do? We have a paracetamol that should be taken only in severe attacks and finally we have the tryptans and also there are no randomized control trials of tryptan intake during pregnancy, we have a huge database and we know that the intake of sumatriptan 50 to 100 milligram tablets for the acute attacks are very, very safe. What we know is if you, for example, look into registers about birth defects when females take ibuprofen in pregnancy, we see that major birth defects are not different between migraine patients that took ibuprofen during pregnancy and uh, migraine patients that did not take ibuprofen and also healthy women that do not take ibuprofen during pregnancy. So on that um, front, so to say in terms of birth defects, there's no difference between these drugs. Also for the tryptans, as I said, sumatriptan is well known and we have huge experience with females taking sumatriptan during pregnancy. We also know that there is no um, risk for birth defects of these kids. 
The only thing we know is that there are some more abortions if females are exposed to tryptans than healthy controls, but this is a very small increased risk. Uh, so what happens after birth? Many women with migraine want to breastfeed their children. Are they more prone to get migraine again? Um, what medication are they allowed to take? So, of course, uh, it's an important question. And uh, first of all, uh, during breastfeeding, usually the migraine frequency is also lower than before pregnancy. Um, secondly, from what we know is that the amount of drug in the infant is less than 10% of the concentration of the drug in the mother. So it's usually very safe and there's usually no danger to uh, the, the child. However, as with pregnancy, we do not have randomized controlled data for during lactation, breastfeeding. And so the same rules apply as in uh, pregnancy. You can take, these females can take a tryptan, sumatryptan, for example, based on our experience without further damage or danger to uh, the child. And then the logical next question, of course, is what about preventative medication? Uh, that's a question we also often get. What would you recommend then? Yeah, so first of all, luckily during pregnancy, since migraine frequency goes down, prophylaxis is usually not necessary. So what do we advise uh, women? Uh, we have some prophylactics that are safe. For example, we know that beta blockers, metoprolol, is uh, safe as a migraine preventative during pregnancy, and also that amitriptyline is safe during pregnancy. What is recommended is, uh, for example, if you take if females take a beta blocker, then uh, you need to be careful around the birth period and also when the child is born that there's no floppy infant or there's other adaptation problems uh, when females are taking these uh, medications. But from what we know to date, it's the beta blockers in amitriptyline that can be given and also in severe migraine attacks sometimes a steroid can, steroid can be given. When we talk about prophylactic medication, uh, many uh, patients we see probably tell you that they want to get pregnant. And always the question occurs when to stop the prophylactic medication. Um, as we know, migraine gets better, you told us, but do you stop or do you wait until patients are pregnant or does it depend on the medication? In general, if uh, females want to get pregnant, you should stop migraine prophylaxis. Because, for example, we know with the antibodies, they have a half-life time of a month, but you can see them in uh, significant blood concentrations up to three months. And uh, therefore, the three months period is definitely a safe period. So if someone wants to get pregnant, you should tell them, okay, stop prophylaxis three months uh, before the day of um, contraception. And I think this is uh, the safest approach uh, for females. And although you just mentioned, of course, the options that there are with medication, uh, I know quite a few uh, patients who then tell me, no, but I don't want to have any risks. I don't want to take any medication. That's just a thing I don't want to do. But is there then anything else you could recommend them except medication, other options? <laughs> Well, of course, you can do uh, the non-medical treatments. Uh, and this, this is, first of all, like relaxation training, um, sports, muscle relaxation, uh, the Jacobson's method. So there's all these non-medical uh, or, or 
non-pharmacological interventions that people can do and of course in general uh, have good sleep and uh, sleep hygiene, uh, eat at regular time points during the day. So uh, have a regular lifestyle, go to bed at the same time, sleep hygiene and all these things that help to structure and to organize um, your, someone's, someone's life. For, as, as you mentioned, some of the females ask about magnesium, for example, and uh, we have to say, as opposed to 20 years ago, nowadays we don't advise magnesium or other supplements during pregnancy for migraine prophylaxis, which I find a very important point for young females to know. And why not? Sorry. <laughs> Because of possible birth defects and possible harm to the child, of course. Um, there are some neuromodulation options for treating migraine. Do you think these would be options during pregnancy? Well, in general, they seem to be an option because they are not invasive and there are no pharmaceuticals that you bring into your body. But, I mean, these neuromodulation um technologies are for severe migraine for so-called desperate patients in, in, in a lot of instances. So um, I think in general they are not advisable to young females who probably suffer from bad migraines for about nine months and then they improve. So I think the invasive neuromodulation techniques are not uh, are nothing for these uh, women uh, and the non-invasive ones I think we don't have enough experience like vagus nerve stimulation or supraorbital nerve stimulation to uh, give strong support to these technologies in pregnancy. Maybe I have a question. Um, yeah. because not maybe, well, yeah, maybe you have another opinion no, to the no. neuromodulation techniques. No, no, techniques. I, I, I totally agree, <laughs> of course. But sometimes, um, of course, we work in centers and, and, and we always see patients where it's not that easy during pregnancy because then they come to our centers. Uh, so sometimes I see women um, that have long-lasting migraine attacks during pregnancy. And then it's always the question, what can we do with them? So if it lasts three, four, five days, uh, what, what uh, is your recommendation? Well, I can tell you I have very good personal experience with steroids. If uh, women have long-lasting attacks during pregnancy, uh, a bit like in menstrual migraine, for example, then uh, at least in the hospital, it is a, a very good approach to give like 250 milligram of uh, prednisolone to these females to avoid migraine attacks. And uh, after several talks with the obstetricians, steroids are very, very safe in pregnancy and uh, have long they have long-lasting experiences with these medications in uh, pregnant women. Maybe then another question that I have, uh, often uh, in women with migraine during pregnancy, of course, they're known to have headaches and sometimes it's more severe or different. Then we always have this question, should we make an MRI scan or, or look at the venous system for sinus thrombosis? Uh, how do you see this? Because often you can also just say, oh, it's, it's their migraine, but are there specific clues or advice you can give? Yeah, I mean, uh, we... Uh did a study a couple of years ago and we looked into brain imaging in pregnant women with acute headache 
and uh, I think it was about 110 uh, women, we found five uh, sinus venous thrombosis, for example, so 5%. And uh, so my personal advice is um, with the new technologies, with new MRI imaging techniques, if there is an indication, if there is a headache of unknown origin, even in a person who suffers from migraine, it's worthwhile to have a look into a brain scan because a surprisingly high number of women has pathology during pregnancy. I mean, we know that there are some diseases associated with pregnancy, like as you said, venous thrombosis, but we also see intracranial bleeding, we see hypertension during pregnancy, and uh, other rare syndromes like occipital vasoconstriction syndrome. And uh, therefore, I think we should be more generous with the indication of an MRI than we were 20 years ago, for example. Yeah, just just to get uh, go a little bit closer into this topic, um, what about aura and uh, pregnancy? Actually, this is a really, really good point, I have to say, and you're catching me on the left foot. Uh, I have to say, <laughs> Dagny's happy. Uh, and, and I have to say that Aura has not jumped into my eye over the last years as a important topic during pregnancy, I have to say. And let's talk about the therapy of Aura during pregnancy. First of all, usually, if we treat aura in healthy, otherwise healthy, non-pregnant females, we use the migraine prophylactics, or we can sometimes use lamotrigine for off-label for migraine aura treatment. But during pregnancy, of course, you can't take an anti-epileptic for migraine aura treatment. And uh, so we would stick to the same drugs like the beta blockers and amitriptyline for the treatment if migraine aura is a severe problem during pregnancy. Yeah, normally not. Maybe, Dagny, what's, what's your experience, I have yeah. to say? I, I sometimes see uh, patients from the gynecological uh, department when the aura occurs for the first time, and then everyone is excited and frightened um, because these women say, oh, I do not see uh, really good, or I have some feeling problems, paresthesia and everything. And um, some of them did not have a migraine before the pregnancy because they were too young or whatever, and it didn't occur beforehand. And then they have their first aura during pregnancy. And then it's not dangerous. It's more that everyone is uh, frightened that it might be something else. And then always the question pops up if you do this MRI or if it's just a normal aura. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in 8%, we have new onset migraine during pregnancy. And on the other hand, in our survey or in our study, we had 42% secondary headaches in new onset headache during pregnancy. So um, there's a probability that you find something and that you find pathology, so you should rather have an MRI than uh, just relying on your clinical experience in that case. Indeed. Um, well, maybe not a question about the future. Uh, there are new migraine uh, medications coming. So the CGRP antagonists and maybe also lasmiditan, uh, those kind of drugs. Do you see a role for them in uh, pregnancy and migraine? No. no. Uh, I mean, we know that uh, the CGRP monoclonal antibodies penetrate the placenta after 90 days of pregnancy. 
and uh, therefore they should not be given during the during pregnancy and also in females who want to get pregnant. And B, lasmiditan is a highly lipophilic drug that also crosses uh, the blood-brain barrier but also crosses placenta and there's also no indication from my point of view uh, for lasmiditan in pregnancy. So, and also for the new class that will come, the uh, antagonist. Um. Yeah, the small molecules. I mean, they are have a much smaller molecular size, and so, so they much easier penetrate through placenta. I mean, the antibodies have a they are a hundredfold bigger than these small molecules, more than a hundredfold bigger than these small molecules, and they have more difficulties to penetrate placenta. Uh, and the small molecules much easier fluctuate between mother and child, so to say, and therefore. Or they are not. They, it's not advisable to uh, give these drugs to uh, pregnant women. Thank you. Very clear answer. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you think I should also tell them this? No, it's. it's I think it's a very exciting uh, topic, but we have we don't have much uh, therapeutic options during pregnancy. That's our that's our major problem uh, in the migraine field during uh, pregnancy. But I think, fortunately, we do not need so many options in most of the women. So um, most. usually most yeah. of the women tell us that it's getting so much better during pregnancy. Um, Absolutely fine. I completely, I completely agree. That's also a thing you can tell them when they ask you, of course, when they uh, talk to you about the future. That's a good thing that you can tell them this. But uh, indeed, Dagny, is also my experience that the people we do see <laughs> can be really tough then. And then you always wonder, yeah. what should I do? I think the, one of the important things is, I mean, as Dagny mentioned, you very often get the question from a migraine patient in the practice. So I would like to get preg pregnant, but I'm scared that my migraine deteriorates. And I think the good message for these uh, women is usually your migraine improves. And uh, there's no reason not to get pregnant because you are a migraine patient. You are an individual with migraine. It is rather a support for you to get pregnant because your migraine improves. I think that's a good final message. Well, thank you so much, uh, Uwe. And that was really thank interesting. You. And this was the last of uh, the Four Headache podcast. So I hope you all enjoyed it, that you learned something. Thank you. And also, thank you, Dagny. Thank you. This has been EANCast Weekly Neurology. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcatcher for weekly updates from the European Academy of Neurology. You can also listen to this and all of our previous episodes on the EAN campus to gain points and become an EAN expert in any of our 29 neurological specialties. Simply become an EAN individual member to gain access. For more information, visit eanorg membership. That's ean.org backslash membership. Thanks for listening. EANcast Weekly Neurology is your unbiased and independent source for educational and research-related neurological content. Although all content is provided by experts in their field, it should not be considered official medical advice.